In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning and welcome to Mayflower Congregational Church, where we welcome everyone. And we believe that the Spirit of the Living Christ is calling us to worship and service. I'm deviating from my script because if you're watching at home or in another location, we have people in the sanctuary. Oh, man. We have people in our sanctuary this morning. We, amen, that's right, Eric. We are, we are together, and we're coming back. And this is a wonderful day. I'm John White, the interim senior pastor for the next three weeks. Joining me in worship, they all like the sound of that, too. <laughs> Boy, I never know if people are laughing at my jokes when I preach to the camera. <laughs> Joining me in worship this morning are Dr. Julia Brown, our music director, Professor Scott Bosher, our choir director, our cantors, Christy Burghardt, Axel Prelfren, Ryan Potts, and Ben Clemens. Pat McGuire is over here. You never see him on camera. He's the guy who keeps this going. The Reverend Ruth Bell Olson is away this week, but Rachel Cooley is joining us as a liturgist. And I'm really happy to say it's just like old times because our scripture reader this morning is Reverend Eric Britcher, my old friend, and he's back here too. What a wonderful morning it is. As I'm getting ready to enter my second retirement, um, and which I hope takes this time, uh, Uh, You should know that Pastor Ruth and the church leadership are planning a dynamic summer. We have some of West Michigan's leading preachers coming to cover this summer, and hopefully we will have our permanent interim in place as we kick off the fall in September. I would also like to say I'm not going anywhere, except I'm going to be back there, Uh, I will be preaching here on July 4th. I promised some people to do memorial services because we've delayed that due to COVID. I've promised baptisms, and I'll still be here baptizing. Uh, I plan to offer adult education classes, and if the new pastor wants, I plan to be in the bullpen. When she or he is gone, I'll be right back up here, and you'll get the B team again. I want to announce that uh, Mayflower is having its first annual fun run on May 23rd at noon. I'm sorry, I'm thinking back to my younger days and wondering how running can be fun, but that's what the card says. And we're raising, we're raising funds for Eden Village, one of the many things that Mayflower, that you sponsor with outreach. Now this morning, I have it written here. Again, I'm going to have to go off script. We were planning a hybrid service. Uh, We were shifting back to having more people in our congregation 
and not having our lights up, our curtain to block the light, which fades things out on the camera. But the CDC caught us by surprise. I was in a golf tournament on uh, Friday when we received the word about the CDC saying, you can gather again. I immediately contacted Jim Rogers as I missed a putt, and I said, I'd like to open the church. Our moderator, Jim Rogers, agreed, and here we are. It's only on our webpage now, but if you're listening at home, come on down next week. Uh, we're open for business, and it's good to see you. At this point, and we're going to, oh, I should say, we're going to make mistakes this morning because I'm used to sitting over there drinking my coffee or water. Ruth is used to sitting over here, and we just come up and preach to the camera. This will be different this morning. Please bear with us uh, on the mistakes. Blame them all on me. I don't care. I'm going to be gone in three weeks. And we're a people of grace, so we can get by with a few mistakes And now I would like to introduce my dear friend, Dr. Julia Brown, with a word about today's music. Today's planning of music began when Jonathan told me he was going to focus on ascension. And Scott and I found an anthem uh, by Mendelssohn that fit uh, that theme. And uh, that inspired me to think, well, the, um, uh, the lift thine eyes from Elijah would also fit that theme. And, ooh, so we should have a treble of uh, uh, um, a trio of trebles. Try and say that five times fast. Um, And then I thought, oh, and there's so much wonderful Mendelssohn organ music. So today is a feast of Mendelssohn. Um, Not only Felix Mendelssohn, but also his sister, his older sister, Fanny, who was a wonderful composer in her own right. And because at the time that was not a proper thing for women to do, um, just more recently, more of her music has um, has been discovered. So um, enjoy all the Mendelssohn, and I also want to encourage all of you to sing. Sing with your heart. Stand when it's time to stand. Uh, Speak the Lord's Prayer when it's that time. All of those parts of our worship service that uh, you are accustomed to participate in, please do that. Um, Worship is work of the people. And one of the most difficult things for me during this past year has been saying, don't talk, don't sing, don't come. You know, it goes against everything that I, that I believe in, um, in worship when we're together. So um, sing, enjoy the singing. You have the hymnals back in your pews. Um, Having said that, the middle hymn, Beautiful Savior, um, if you would um, meditate on the words of that first verse while you hear uh, our trio singing that and then join in the rest of the verses, uh, we had planned something special for um, for that hymn. So thank you all for being here today and thank you for modeling what it means to worship with your full body, mind, and heart. 
Thank you, Julia. We're used to going on and off camera. That was me being off camera over there. Now, let us focus on the holy. Quiet your hearts. Quiet your minds. Open yourself to this loving experience that we call God. Christ is calling us this morning. Let us listen. Today is Ascension Sunday, when we celebrate Christ's return to God. We look up in wonder as he is lifted from us unto heaven. But this is not a time to gaze upward. There is work to be done. Jesus entrusted us with the ministry of God's love to us. Let us make our hearts ready for the task ahead with prayer and praise.
please join me in prayer. God of incredible surprises, as we gaze into the clouds, remind us that we are standing on holy ground. Place our feet on the pathways of peace and hope. Draw our attention from the vision of Jesus rising to heaven to be with you and help us to focus on the ministries and missions that you would have us do. Keep us ready and willing to always serve you all of our days. Amen. be seated. The first passage of scripture for us to consider this morning will be found in the book of Acts in the New Testament, the book of Acts chapter 1, and I will be reading verses 1 through 11. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go 
into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second passage of scripture for this morning's consideration is found in the Gospel of St. Luke. We are looking at chapter 24, 
and I'm reading verses 44 through 53. These are the words of the Lord. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then Jesus led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Will you pray with me? Holy One, Open our ears that we may hear, our minds that we may think and critically analyze, our hearts that we may care, and our hands so that when we leave this place, we leave in service. This we ask in the name of all that is holy. Amen. When did you first learn about metaphors? I remember at Horace Mann Junior High School in the Kanawha Valley in Charleston, West Virginia, when Mrs. King introduced us to metaphor. She used this poem by Alfred Noes, written in 1906. The wind was a torrent of darkness among the gusty trees. The moon was a ghostly galleon tossed upon a cloudy sea. The road was a ribbon of moonlight over the purple moor. And the highwayman came riding, riding, riding. The highwayman came riding up to the old inn door. Mrs. King said, that's a metaphor. And I got it, because the road was a road. It wasn't a ribbon of moonlight. The moon was the moon. It wasn't a ghostly galleon up on a cloudy sea. Metaphors. 
it paints a picture in our mind. Metaphor within a metaphor. What if we took away the metaphors from Noyes's poem? It was night. It was dark. There were clouds in the sky. The moon was there. There was a road. We'll learn later, witness stated, that it was a cobblestone road. There was a man on a horse, our suspect, according to witnesses. The man on the horse had two pistols, black powder, flintlock, caliber unknown. The man also carried a rapier. He was heading toward the end. It loses something in the translation, doesn't it? All the beauty, all the flowing, all the pictures in our mind. But in the West, we're programmed to think in a linear fashion. We want to get to the facts. Okay, you got a suspect. He's a highwayman. He's a robber. He's armed. He's an armed robber. He's out to do some damage. It's as simple as that. You don't need three pages of verse to explain what's happening. And when we think in that linear fashion, many times we lose the nuance. We lose the idea that life isn't as simple as A plus B equals C. And that's why we have poetry. Because poetry is not linear. That's why we have theater. Because movies and plays are not linear. Good literature Art, I think of a painting that has influenced me. It influenced my career in police work. It stays with me today. I have a copy of it in my house. It's David's picture or painting, The Oath of the Haratii. And it's just a painting, but it speaks volumes to me and gives meaning to my life as three brothers with their arms around each other reach out swearing an oath to defend Rome and their father holding up swords in front of them because the enemy is advancing. Their mother and their wives are in the corner and they're weeping because they know that the men they love are going forth to battle. And one thing that caught my eye about 20 years ago, no matter how much I'd looked at that picture, in the corner, there is a little boy with the women. And it took me so long to notice his face. David painted that face, and he's looking 
at those men with a gleam in his eye, and you can just see him thinking, someday I'm going to be like that. Someday I will stand for what's noble and defend my people. That's not linear thinking. Unfortunately, we do linear thinking at times when it's inappropriate. Now, in business, I like lawyers who think in linear terms so the business can work. I like accountants. I was raised by an accountant who makes sure the business makes a profit. I like engineers who test screws to the ten thousandths of an inch. When I'm 32,000 feet in the air, I'm glad poets don't make airplanes. I like those engineers. The the screw's going to stay put. But when we bring linear thinking to religion... We miss a point. Religion isn't engineering. It's not accounting. It's not the combined federal code. Religion is an experience of the senses. And religion is expressed in metaphor. Today we, we celebrate Ascension. Ascension Day was Tuesday. When we look at Acts and see Jesus moving up in a cloud. Now Luke tells that story two different ways. He tells it at the end of Luke by saying, Jesus inspired and was taken away. And the apostles were so excited they spent all their time in the temple. Scholars believe that when he wrote Acts sometimes later, Luke was trying to account for the fact that Jesus hadn't immediately returned. And we get the story of the ascension on the cloud. If we look at that linearly, we have a problem. Problem one. Cloud. Clouds can come on the ground and they come in the form of fog. Fog, clouds, are conglomerated particles forming water. You can't stand on them. Problem two. When the cloud goes up, it doesn't take you with it. How could Jesus go up in a cloud? Problem number three. The cosmic speed limit is the speed of light. If Jesus is moving at the speed of light, he's not out of the Milky Way galaxy yet. Linear thought. 
Have you known Christians who say, you either believe this or you're not a Christian? You either think like this or you're not a believer? You have to know the truth, and there's only one truth. And if you don't know that, you're not among the chosen. Oh, my. The Bible wasn't written as a book. The Bible was written by people inspired by God. And it was written in different places at different times. It has different meanings. There are histories. Luke is often described as an historian, a storyteller telling stories from a theological point of view. The Bible was placed together much later after the books were written. In fact, where did we get the New Testament? There were several Gospels in the early churches. There were several theologies in the early churches. There were emerging sinners in Rome, Alexander, Antioch, Jerusalem, and Constantinople, where there were rivals. There was one uh, minister, priest, called Marcion, who said, these Hebrew scriptures are a bunch of bunk. And he threw them out. And there were gospels circulating And he said, these Gospels aren't right. The only Gospel that's right is Luke. So he took Luke, Acts, and the letters of Paul, and he said, that's the Bible. Everything else doesn't belong. The emperor of the Eastern Empire, Constantine, was so tired of multiple theologies multiple confessions of faith, multiple Bibles, that in 325, he convened a council at Nicaea. He brought in all of the bishops from those five power centers and the bishoprics beyond that. He brought them in to Nicaea, and he locked them in a room. He said, you're not getting out until you have a Bible. And that's how we got the 27 books of the New Testament. The Gospel of Thomas didn't make it. The Apocalypse of Mary didn't make it. The four Gospels, they made it because they were popular in those five centers. One of the early church fathers in the 2nd century A.D., dying in the 3rd century A.D., Irenaeus, the bishop of Lyon in what is today France, assigned names to those Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He probably did that because he had a tradition saying that's who wrote them, but we're not sure. 
Okay, that's biblical scholarship. But the Bible is so much more than that. Those histories are rich with the presence of God. They were written by people who were recounting events and looking for the hand of God in those events. And there are also prophets. But prophecy isn't as simple as saying, I'm going to predict the future. Prophecy is calling people to God. Jesus is a prophet. You have heard it said of old, but I say to you, prophecy means God is present. There's also apocalyptic literature, like Daniel, like the mini apocalypse in Matthew, and like a book that troubles many Christians, Revelation. When we look at those things in a linear fashion, we miss the entire point. We don't experience religion in the everyday, mundane, wake up and look around you at logic world. Where do we experience religion? Deep in our souls. In a dream-like world. Where we encounter our true self. Carl Jung, Swiss psychologist who talked about that, had a sign in his office as he tried to help patients get in touch with their true self, with their inner being. The sign said, God is present, whether acknowledged or not. Apocalyptic literature speaks to our true self. Where Serpents can talk and tempt. Where donkeys can speak to Balaam and tell him, look ahead of you. And there is the angel of the Lord. Where people get on a cloud and they are taken to heaven. Heaven isn't somewhere out there. Heaven is in here. Jesus uses that phrase, and I'm going to use John Dominique's croissants in uh, translation. The kingdom of God is within you. And that phrase... If you have ears, you better listen. If you have eyes, then you better see.
When you came to see John, what did you come to see? A reed bent in the wind? No. You were coming to see something great. And that's where we encounter the living Christ. There are different interpretations. Each of us are unique. Each inner journey is unique. But it takes us to a true place in our true self. And as you begin that journey and continue on that journey, I'm going to be talking to the compromands about how to read the Bible after church today. And I'm going to tell them, you're going to be on that journey, and that journey is going to have bumps, it's going to have potholes, and it's going to have deviations, and what you believe today is not going to be what you believe tomorrow. But there are some eternal truths that in the metaphors of your Bible and of your inner journey, you can encounter the living Christ. And as sure as Luke wrote those words, Jesus gathered the apostles. He told them age-old truth. And He ascended. You know, I wonder if that story, wonder if that story was written for the apostles, was written for believers, was written for the two men who seemed to be angels. I think it was written for us. I think it was written for the ages. And it comes in the end. Because you see, heaven is real. The Christ is real. The ascension is real. And when you realize that, you're not just simply staring at reality. Angels say to you, people of Galilee, why are you standing there looking at the crowd, cloud? Don't you understand what you just experienced? Go out and serve the world. It's a metaphor. The road was a ribbon of moonlight over the purple moor. In the name of God the Creator, God the Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Now is the time in our service that we pause to give back to God what he has so generously given to us. Where our hearts are drawn is where we're going to give our resources of time, talent, and treasures. May our hearts always be generous and set in living the way that God has created us. Please pray with me. Jesus, thank you for equipping us to give, for placing us in a position to care for others. Open our eyes to see you in the world around us, and open our hearts to be moved to love. May the offering given to the ministries of Mayflower glorify you in amazing ways. Amen.
Please be seated. Let us quiet our hearts before the congregational prayer and let us approach the holy silently. Let us pray. great mystery of love, our creator and shepherd, the master of metaphor. We acknowledge your power, majesty, and presence. We praise you as we seek your comfort and grace, O great source of forgiveness. Compassionate God, whose blessed Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. With mercy, give us faith to perceive that, according to his promise, he abides with his church on earth and inside us even to the end of the ages. We humbly acknowledge the ascended Christ who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God in glory everlasting. We pray for our search committee. Give them insight and wisdom as they seek the pastor you have already called to this church. Bless them and guide them in all their decisions. Give them the power of discernment. We give you praise and thank you for the declining number of COVID cases in our city, our state, and our nation. We are grateful for health care workers and their support staffs who have worked so diligently to save lives. We ask your blessing for those who have lost loved ones and for areas of the world where COVID is still flaring, especially India and Brazil. O God, for those who have been called to their eternal home, we ask that they experience your presence and rest in the peace of Christ. Help us, we pray, to enter into your victory and to stand in your authority against all evil. Send forth your light and your truth, O Lord. Bring to light the deeds of darkness and let plans of violence and murder be revealed. By the power of your Holy Spirit, Convert those who have allowed themselves to be dominated by evil. Lead them, O Lord, to true repentance, that they may receive new life and rejoice in your forgiving love. And for the victims of violence, especially the families of the girls killed 
in Afghanistan last week. We ask for your solace and comfort. We thank you for this church, for the people gathered here in this sanctuary, for those who live stream, and those who will watch on YouTube. We pray for men and women everywhere in many ways that they, in the many ways that they seek and experience you. We remember those who have turned their back on religion, who refuse to search for you. We ask you to bless them. Give them and us the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Now we lift our voices in unison, both here in this holy place and wherever this service is being live-streamed. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Please be seated. And now, for the first time in a year and a half, we are going to recess and we will greet you in the narthex in the name of Christ. Julia, who has worked so hard on the postlude, will continue the worship. So if you decide to leave during the postlude, I invite you to leave silently so that those sitting in the sanctuary can continue worshiping by listening to the music. And now, children of God, go from this place laughing, dancing, and singing with joy in your heart. You are in the presence of God, and God will never abandon you, not even at the end of the age. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God's people said, Amen.